Hello, this is Welcome to the Club, a Graveyard Club podcast where every two weeks we get together to talk about life, the band, share some behind the scenes stories and insights, and answer your questions. My name is Matt. I sing and play the synth. My name is Matt. I sing and play the synth. <laughs> and my name is Matt, and I play the sing and synth the songs. I'm Matt, your host. My name. <laughs> we just go around <laughs> again. I let's. <laughs> uh, you know, let's keep it because I it. it's a good uh, tie into something I was meaning to mention last time. That I think after episode one of the podcast, uh, my mom had texted me and said, I listened to it. It was fun. Um, it's really interesting to hear how everyone in the band has very similar idiosyncrasies and you're, you and Matt and Corey all kind of sound alike. She's like, which one is my son? <laughs> <laughs> I think there is actually a name for this though, where you like start to, you start to like talk like the people that you're around. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's like a social thing to like make you, I don't know, make you feel like you're fitting in and make people feel comfortable. Well, that's yeah. what I said to her. I'm like, it's almost like we've spent the better part of the last seven <laughs> years in very, very close proximity. Right. Yeah. Let's start with our first segment, Corey's Corner. This is where I learned how to read on live TV. <laughs> okay. Um, so here we go. Another five-star review. Not surprising. And it says, this podcast helps with the doldrums of my workday and interesting to find out what bands the group are listening to, what hobbies they have, and the background of some of my favorite songs. Looking forward to new episodes. Aw, that's very sweet. All right, thank you, listeners. This has been Corey's Corner. Let's move on to... What's new with you, buddy? Why don't you go first, Mikey? Nothing very exciting has happened, but um, I am growing a mustache because why not and i have terrible facial hair it looks like it did when i was like 12 not much progress has been made in those years but something to pass the time something to look a little silly and actually it's kind of grown on me not uh no pun intended Pardon yeah right pun. <laughs> it's really grown on me too actually i was pretty against it all forms of facial hair at first just because you've got such a nice jawline and why cover it up but I'm starting to like this stash. you your hair out? Yeah, I've kind of been... Thank you, Amanda. Also, yes, Corey, I've sort of been growing my hair out. Most of that was just like I didn't cut it during the pandemic since our wedding last summer too much. And now I'm like, well, I've gone this far. Maybe I'll actually intentionally grow it out. I think but you should. I'd like it if we all had really long hair. Let's do it. Bands don't all get the same haircut anymore. That's so true. Until now. How about you, Matt? What's new with me? Well, I'm still working on my kitchen. It's looking really and, nice. Uh, it's coming together. Painted a bunch of woodwork. Painted it white, which sometimes people are like, don't leave it wood colored. Uh, but we chose to paint it white and it looks really clean. The wood was kind of in bad shape. Uh, I actually have the next 45 minutes about wood that I'd like to. The wood is golden maple. Working on a bit. I could talk about, I could easily talk about wood for 45 minutes. No problem for it's me. Not, not very porous. Um, it's a hardwood. It's a very hardwood maple. So we painted it. Now you can't even tell it's wood. Who knows what's under there? And recently we hosted a bonfire gathering outside, even though it was negative degrees here. 
and it was fun to socialize. I haven't really seen seen people a whole lot. I was in attendance and had a really nice time. Thank you for having us. It was nice. It reminded me a little bit of, remember when we all went bike riding mm-hmm. in the spring or early summer? Mm-hmm. Early pandemic. And it was like, yeah, it was just like a long bike ride outside. We could be like safe and spread out in open air. But it felt so cathartic to just like be outside and socializing at all at that stage of things. It was like, yeah, I felt like it was like one of the best days I had had in forever. And the fire felt good, too. Sorry, Corey. No, you weren't there. Corey and Bethany are out of town. Everything I own reeks right now. I oh feel my like God, dude, so bad. Yeah, I we should maybe like twice. discuss this, Mike. Whenever we leave a fire, sorry, Matt, but specifically at your guys' house, Mike is like, "What is in their fire pit or their wood?" Because I feel like the stink is next level bonfire stink. <laughs> it's the wood. Part of it's the wood. My <laughs> it's like my old dad cut down a board with paint all over it or something. Yeah, he cut down an old oak tree. Uh, that was haunted <laughs> and you can smell it smell of but ghosts. it's like some of the wood isn't dry enough but we have so much of it and we like yeah. we burned through the gas station wood really quick so we're like let's use the, let's use the haunted wood pile oh and God. we did and, and you can smell it Bethany and I Bethany is my girlfriend for people that don't know that we went to a cabin in Hayward Wisconsin this last weekend for a couple nights and it's by the Berkebiner Ski Trail. So we went out one day and skied for approximately 30 minutes because it was like 15 below oh zero. We couldn't really stand it. Um, Is it kind of like a wind yeah, tunnel it's too? Kind of nice, nice. That that trail because it's like Not trees really. on either side and then this is big open. No. Um, it wasn't bad. I mean, it was actually very, very beautiful. I think that like. At, it was just it was super cold mm-hmm. and like we didn't really we weren't exactly like fully geared up you know to probably do that kind of thing but it's like it's groomed so it's just you know like it's very like, smooth snow and yeah it was like it was fun to do it uh it was just kind of short-lived you know because it was so cold out but otherwise kind of just hung out at the cabin and cooked some food and hung out it was, i don't know nice to get out of town for a couple nights nice yeah, f- for those listeners who um, maybe are overseas or not from this neck of the woods or haven't been to um, the upper Midwest of the United States, it's like currently zero degrees-ish or less this past few days and for the next foreseeable several days. And that means like real temp, zero-ish. With wind chill, it's like negative 20. And we're all talking about the things that we did this weekend outdoors. <laughs> I feel like that shows you like a the dna of a midwesterner in the united states and b like how desperate we are during these times to find ways to like interact with anybody like yeah, standing around that negative. fire was insane it was negative 18 this morning when we woke up and i yep. felt like my car just like barely started <laughs> it was crazy yeah. we were like let's get out of that because it's sunday right now that we're recording this so amanda and i were just kind of vegging and stuff. Like, let's get out of the house, go for a little quick walk. And it was literally like two blocks before our faces were just in pain. Yeah, it was painful. There's parts of it that I like. Like, it's, it's, the sun is usually out when it's that cold. Like, yeah. it's usually super sunny because they're just, I think part of the reasoning that it gets so cold is like the cloud cover isn't holding any heat in. Right. That could be totally wrong, but that's what I think. <laughs> is going yeah. on i'd rather have it be like zero degrees and sunny than like 
20 degrees and so overcast that you haven't seen the sun in two weeks, which can yeah, also that's happen what we get here. A, that's a lot of, yeah, a lot of stretches in the Midwest as I feel like those those cloudy days. Yeah, for sure. I tried to buy skis and you like can't can't find cross-country skis anywhere right now. Everyone's doing it. I like It was the type of thing I asked about that you could see in the eyes of the person at the store that they've been asked like thousands yeah. of times about Just skis. Chuckling at yeah. you. Yeah, it was like the eye roll. Like, I can't yeah. believe this guy wants skis. Uh, so I made my own. I a couple <laughs> Kleenex boxes. Nice. How'd those work? They worked pretty terribly, actually. I'm in, a, in two casts. You guys can't see from the <laughs> video feed. I've been um, journaling lately which is something I've always kind of wanted to do better and I decided to do it in the easiest way possible which is just typing it on my phone on a little app and trying to get like a paragraph in most nights which has been pretty sustainable yeah I read those those were good (laughs) (laughs) dear journal Mike is being such a dick (laughs) Um, yeah, so I like to program um, specifically video games, and I had an idea for like an app, more of an app than a game, recently, um, because I have a lot of these um, purchased apps that, that track your like habits or goals or things like that, and I've like used them you know, here and there in phases in my life, and I thought it would be cool to have one that tracks your emotions. Um, and there's kind of stuff like that out there, but I just thought it'd be like a good challenge to try to make something like that. So, yeah, I don't know. It's It's got these little like avatars that represent each of your emotions and I animated those and you can kind of swap out their body parts to customize them a little bit and and then you can kind of just log each like each log entry, which emotions are you feeling and then you can look back throughout the week or I think right now it's it's only set up to do a month at a time, but i want to keep working on it i'll add some different views yeah when you've explained it to me it seems very like journaling adjacent where it's like the power of it is in the act of doing it and the reflection that comes with that even if it's not like i don't have some action stuff to do now it's like oh it's good like therapeutic reflection yeah i think that's that seems like a good idea and actually bethany and i were talking this last weekend and she, I started taking like a mild antidepressant like last October, and she was kind of asking oh, nice. me. She was asking me like, "How is like how does that seem like it's going?" And I was like, "I was like honestly, it's it's a little bit difficult to tell." I was like, "I think, I think that it's been helpful," but I was like, "I also kind of like want to like go off it and stop taking it maybe like this spring for like a stretch of time to like reassociate myself with." not being on it to like understand if it's actually working for me Mm -hmm. because I feel like it's hard to like which is maybe maybe that means that it's working like if I like you know if I'm saying like it's really hard to tell I feel like I feel pretty good but yeah um so that would maybe like something like that would actually kind of like maybe be helpful for people that are in a similar situation where you can kind of look back and be like what have my moods been like compared to you know like if I'm changing like a medication or I'm changing like a life habit that's like helping yeah. with something so you can actually like physically see it because it's it's easy to like it's easy to forget or like misremember how your moods were yes you know that's kind of what I was thinking with the journaling thing and with this app like I think it's really easy especially if you're like really digging into a long convo with like your partner or your friend or something about like oh how it's been lately and I feel like those conversations 
for me at least, can so much just be a reflection of like how I feel right now and how I'm like digging in more and more to that feeling and like analyzing these different sides of this one thing that happened to me or whatever. But like actually throughout the week, there was a lot of little things that didn't get like logged. Yeah. So I think it's a great idea. I think it's kind of helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's cool. It, it's like a way to hold a mirror up, you know, a little bit. And that's, that's kind of funny because to tie that in to the podcast, um, Amanda spent the first two episodes doing the editing after we record, which, you know, it doesn't seem like it would need to be that much, but there's a lot of little things. It's like, oh, volume spikes or like putting in the, you know, segue music for the little segments and things like that. Mostly it's the lag because we're on Zoom right now and you got to scoot everything back a little bit as we're pausing and talking over each other a little bit. Yeah, there's latency issues and whatnot. But um, I edited the last one and it's like you end up hearing the same thing over and over again. And it's sort of like holding that mirror up Mm. in a way of like, oh, man. I heard my same interruption 12 times or like I was too in my head to laugh at that joke that somebody told because I'm like thinking of what I want to say next you know so it's like not to get too serious but Corey too like that comment about um you want to like take a little break from the antidepressants to see like what are they doing that I started taking Adderall for ADHD when like you get in this like weird head game of like, is it working? Is it not working? Is it placebo? And like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, when I like don't take it for a weekend, it's like, oh yeah, yes, mm. definitely working. <laughs> yeah, definitely need that. Yeah. On a very special episode of Welcome to the Club. <laughs> real talk. <laughs> All of our mental health. It's, it's really real right now. It's the dead of winter, and it's the worst year slash couple years of all time. So, without further ado, let's move on to. Media Nest. I have a good one for this. Um, so a while back we watched I May Destroy You by Michaela Coel, um, which I think is like required watching for anybody that is going to like be in a relationship, basically. Awesome show. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, really heavy. There's a lot of like sexual assault um, discussion and showing like a lot, a lot, a lot of different angles and people's experiences with that. Um, we like definitely did not binge watch it. I wouldn't recommend that, but I think it's really, really good. And now we started watching, um, another show that she, um, and both of these shows she like stars in, wrote, directed, produced. Um, and now we're watching Chewing Gum, which is a little bit lighter, but still, you know, it feels like it's saying a lot of important things. It's funnier too. I'll just check that out. Yeah. Um, I haven't, haven't seen that. Bethany and I started watching... Um, a documentary series this last weekend. I think it's on Amazon Prime. That's about Britney Spears and Ooh, like her. I'm in her like her like career and like also it's it's kind of more about like her life and this this like free Britney movement. Have you guys heard about this? Yes, yeah. it's crazy. So like basically, her father has a conservatorship like over her life which essentially means that he has like entire control of like all of her finances and like everything that she does which is like typically reserved for people when they get really old and like maybe have dementia and like can't you know can't be trusted to like manage their finances anymore or stuff like that right but it kind of just goes like through her life and her career and like this process and like man it is it's pretty wild man it's like it's kind of disturbing just 
I don't know, the way that, like, she was, like, a kind of, like, a basically a child star in a way. You know, right. like, very young when she got popular. Definitely. And, like, her, in- her entire life has been tied up in this, like, being a celebrity and, like, her image. Um, and then, I don't know, you know, this, like, tie. I don't remember when it was, but when she had this, like, I don't know, this, like, break or whatever. You know, where she, like, shaved her head and all right. of this stuff. And it's, like, yeah. you watch this documentary and it's, like you know she was just being hounded by the paparazzi like mm. constantly and they were like you know all this stuff with her image it's like i think it's kind of awesome that she like shaved her head and was was basically like a you to like everybody right mm-hmm. you know so that's we've been watching that and it's been kind of fascinating mm-hmm. so i would recommend that to anybody yeah that celebrity culture stuff like how they become like our play things for just like mindless entertainment it was the same thing Tragic. with that tiger woods that there's a really good Tiger Woods documentary that. right now too, and it's it, it's it's very very similar. Where he he like his dad like basically was like forced him, not necessarily like forced him, but like really it was like grooming him to be like, like a professional golfer. Yeah. yeah, so like he grew up doing this, and then it's like all of a sudden you know he has like this image that he's upholding, and like everybody's like you have to have this squeaky clean Im- image, and all of a sudden you know he's cheating on his wife and sleeping around and like partying and everybody's like shocked by it you know mm-hmm. and it's just it's crazy to me it's like why is that shocking yeah, why is that shocking put to anybody people on these pedestals and it's insane yeah mm-hmm. it's like, it's, these people are like human beings that are going through the exact same experience as anybody else's but like in a in very very strange circumstances you know mm-hmm. do you guys ever feel those pressures as a member of graveyard club every day <laughs> yeah. i know i do i'm two more bad comments away from shaving my head <laughs> Uh, what are we on? Media nest? <laughs> yeah, who else, yes. who else has a media nest? I don't have anything that... Mine's mine's a... I don't know, just more bands. It's always bands with me. Yeah. Um, I have something else that I want to talk about. <laughs> oh, do Is it yeah. media nest? It's, still, it's kind of media nest, yeah. Mm, we'll um, see. <laughs> so I know that, Mike, you for sure will kind of relate to this because we've talked about this in the past. And I think that Matt and Amanda will maybe a little bit too. But I was down at my parents' house a couple of weekends ago. And they have like local local TV down there. I'm from like a super rural rural part of Wisconsin. Um, and we were like watching just like a local, I don't know, some lo- local TV channel or whatever. And they, the like local commercials for like business or, businesses oh, or whatever yes, are always yes, just yes. very, very hilarious and like ridiculous and poorly produced. And we were watching this one commercial. I don't remember what it was for. It might have been like a furniture store or something like that. And we were watching this and it was like a it was like a couple sitting on the floor and they had like a bowl of popcorn and like a frozen pizza and a couple of sodas and they were like hanging out. And it's going through this and we it like goes by them like kind of like quickly and I'm like, "Wait a second. I'm like, go go back to that like last shot." So my the parents have like DVR or TiVo or whatever, so they can, like, go, like, mm-hmm. rewind. So we rewind back to it and zoom in on, like, the pizza that's sitting on the floor, and it's, like, maybe four or five slices of pizza that are in the shape of a full pizza, where you would get, like, eight slices, and each of the slices has, like, one or two bites out of it, and they're all spaced out weird. <laughs> so I was like, who eats a pizza? Like, so it's like, basically, like, the slices are all spaced out, and each one had, like, a couple of bites out of it. Like, they had, like, taken a bite of this slice of pizza and then placed it back on the piece of cardboard. Wait, and you were just watching this commercial like a hawk, like, hold on a second, rewind. Dude, Something's I, not right I about saw that, pizza. and I was like, 
I stopped. I was like, stop. Every- I was like, did anybody see that pizza? <laughs> stop everything. I was like, who's stop eating a pizza like this? This doesn't make any sense at all. Nobody else so saw it's it. Like, is, it like, is it like they're all eating one of those slices right now and they're just putting it back on like the communal plate that is the pizza box sort of thing? Or it, what? I can't really envision what you're saying, to be honest. So like, imagine you had a frozen pizza and you cut it into you eight pieces. You <laughs> <laughs> You've cut this into eight pieces and then like you and Mike are eating it. Mm-hmm. But like... Maybe you each eat one entire piece. So now you're down to six pieces, and then you rearrange those six pieces back into a circle so there's, like, big gaps between all of them. And then you proceed to take a bite out of maybe four of those pieces and then place them back into the circle. So now you have a picture... What if through what this conversation this you realize that? What if you realize that everybody did eat pizza this way except for you, dude? I'm just I, yeah. I'm only I'm the only psycho over here eating pizza a full slice at a time, not taking a bite and putting it back oh for, for somebody God. else. Dude, I bet they they probably ordered one pizza for like the cast and crew, and then they started filming, and they're like, "Oh shit, this is the only pizza," and they're like, "So everyone had to put their slice back that was like half eaten." Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like slap, slapping slices out of people's hands that are like working <laughs> yeah, in the crew. So, like, get that back over here. We didn't get the take so yet. Wow. You got to put your pizza back. All right, Matt, what's in your media nest? Uh, I've been reading and kind of what a is lot. That? I, uh, I, it's <laughs> where you just you open a paper and you just rub it back and forth in front of your eyes. Um, I've been reading Jack Kerouac. I've read almost all of his books. I'm a huge fan. Love him. And I'm reading one called Visions of Gerard right now. When he was really young, he one of his brothers passed away. His brother was sick. I don't actually know. I think they kind of allude to it in the book with what he had, but um, I don't know off the top of my head what it was. But he died very young. He's probably like 10 years old. Sad. And it's a short book just about his life. Very sweet. Very sad book. Uh, so I've been doing doing some reading. Nice. Not a lot besides that. I haven't not a lot of TV or anything else. I always forget about books when it comes to Media Nest. I'm in a book club, so technically I have a report back, but I guess I like think that you guys watch the TV shows instead. That'd be more fun to talk about. I feel like it it gets too much for me every now and again. Like yeah. just all the media and just like new shows and a ten part series and yeah, I don't. I just get tired of screens. It's nice to just hold a book, totally a paper book, and even though I have a Kindle too, which I guess is another screen, but I like just a good old fashioned paper book. You can burn it when you're done. <laughs> 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 it smells great. You're gonna love that smell, Mike. Oh, and then yeah. you like never have. It's just that's why your fire stinks at your house. Is just yeah. burning old books. Do you ever get into audiobooks or just reading, reading? I like reading better. Yeah. But I have, I think maybe Lauren and I uh, took a, a road trip to like Zion. We drove down to the Southwest and we did a couple books on tape, maybe. We did podcasts and a book on tape. Nice. I like audiobooks. I was, but I, I feel like I was, well, a lot of times when I'm listening to stuff like that, I'm working. We know what your struggles with reading print, too, so that makes sense. I can read fine when it's inside my own mind. <laughs> yeah, when or, yeah. But when I have to make the words with my mouth, it gets a little bit more difficult. When somebody else is making the words with their mouth, it's way easier. For sure. <laughs> yeah. That's the, that's the easiest form of reading, is having somebody read to you. Yeah. My, my offering before Corey's um, urgent pizza story was just, um, it's not even like new, but it's something that like I keep coming back to that I never get sick of listening to. And I know Matt for sure, and maybe others are really into this band, um, Ruby Haunt. Um, 
they're very uh, they're from LA they're not like very um, high profile I mean and similar to like the way we're not that high profile in the grand scheme of things but um, they're cool it's very like slow core kind of dream poppy uh, minimalist yeah I'm really into Ruby Hunt and I don't think that many people know of them so you should check them out they got a bunch of records and yeah it's rad yeah, I like. Oh, I just did that. Mike pointed out that I do this a lot when I talk before I talk. Yes, every like, time when me, I edited like, your audio in the podcast, he goes. It's weird. I'm actually. It's like a Pavlovian experiment. Every time I click, I flash a, a tiny red light, and then I'm gonna try to just flash the light and see. Oh my god! Um, I actually have no idea what I anything about psychology. That's clear. Uh, yeah, I heard their record "Blue Hour." maybe like four years ago and it was one of those bands that I was like whoa who is this and then they're probably one of my favorite bands now it's crazy how you can just like fall in love with the band instantly sometimes it takes you know you you have to go through a couple records and it takes time but they're like instantly likable to me I like all their records too yeah this has been Media Nest next up is Band News got that ice house show local venue that we mentioned last time that we're playing a set um to be streamed so i think that show is in about a week and then after that um aside from that we're just still working on demoing new songs but that's about it been doing a little basement tracking yeah yep i did our taxes which takes a really long time slogging through old purchases from the previous year we have no idea what was what I think this is a perfect opportunity to give Amanda a on-the-record shout-out for all of her behind-the-scenes um, work on doing things like This is the behind-the-scenes that our fans wanted. Who does the spreadsheets? Coordinating, <laughs> coordinating merch. You do all of the thankless things that are very adult and very boring that the rest of us would just completely screw up if we started doing it. So thank you anytime thanks amanda we couldn't do it you guys do a lot of stuff too it's really nice that mike's been editing the podcast after the first couple i was like i've got to offload this i feel like every year we do taxes it's like man we like kind of made a decent amount of money that's exciting and then you find out how much money we lost and it's like (laughs) yeah it's always like just dwarfs the amount of money we make a lot of red numbers yeah those gold blazers were a bad idea for merch. They cost <laughs> Solid a fortune gold. to make. We didn't sell any of them. Uh, always a good time to mention. If you're loving it, feel free to order some merch on graveyardclub.bandcamp.com. It's pretty much the only way we make money these days. We'd love to send you a little t-shirt, a little vinyl. Let's move along to... Story time. Okay, so story time last podcast episode, we had stumbled upon a hiccup incident. It started with, um, there is a little area called the Quad Cities around like the border of Iowa and Illinois. And it's a small area and they have Day Trotter located there. If you're familiar with that, if you went to college on the era that a lot of us did, um, they had like an online music blog kind of thing where they'd record bands doing live sessions and put it out there and stuff so anyway because of that being located there um the guy that runs that sean he's a cool guy 
um, has a lot of activity in their little community for bands coming in and out, different venues, um, festivals, things like that. So um, we had been connected with him through just playing some shows there. He invited us to do, um, it was like a little festival going on. I don't remember what it's called, but um, we just thought we were playing at some bar with a couple bands. And he sort of last minute let us know, or somebody let us know, like they actually needed a slot at like this bigger part of the festival. So we were going to be playing on this big stage and there was going to be like VIP passes to like backstage like trailers really where we had like fancy. our own little private green room for us at that time, especially. Was like, like who was headlining? Wasn't it, was, it Mavis? Staples? It was Mavis Staples. Yeah. Mavis Staples was. Headlining yeah. Mavis it. Staples was like on the same stage as us later on in the night. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, we, what we realized is like, this was actually a rib fest event and if you're not american Mike, or from where we're can from can i just interrupt to say that I'm, I'm surprised you can even say the word rib fest without shivers yeah. breaking out across your body uh, it's hard this is gonna jinx me but yeah anyway so the rib fests experience if you haven't been to one it's an odd one like if you love meat it's a great time um it's also a great time if you love 90s bands that are way past their prime because that's usually who plays these things. <laughs> like, I definitely, when I was in college in Fargo, saw Everclear playing a rib fest. Like, it was kind of depressing. But anyway, so Wait, we played it kind of... I got to tell the story about during that show. Like, during the show, there's maybe <laughs> 10 people. It was raining, and it was like a wide-open arena of empty Two of those seats. people were my parents. Yeah. <laughs> And there was like an old shout out to my mom and dad. There was like a an old Vietnam vet that was like stumbled upon our show, and he the whole in between every song he was yelling for us to send a song out to the troops. Mm. Like between every song, and I was like, eventually, I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna send a song to the troops. I got to do this, and I didn't look at the set list and like. I was like, all right, this one's going out to the troops. And then the next song was Skull and Crossbones. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Skull and Crossbones for the troops. Uh, Dark. Good Lord. I don't think – I mean, he was really – he was screaming at the top of his lungs. I was hoping, like, some sort of security entity would come and and, uh, escort him away. But he left after that, actually. He got what he asked for. That's because he appeased him. Yeah. I was just going to say that guy was actually also Bob Dylan's drummer. He's been following us. Same guy. Yeah. He was the same demographic as the Bob Dylan drummer guy. So Rib Fest is just like tons and tons of like vendors and booths of like, you guessed it, ribs. And I think Corey and I were like just totally chowing down on some ribs. I ate so fast. <laughs> and I got the hiccups instantly, just like violent hiccups, like one every 10 seconds. And we were going to Chicago either for a show or just see like my buddy and I had the hiccups nonstop for that whole like drive. We get to Chicago, and at this point, I've had the hiccups so long, even though it's probably only been like 24 hours or less, it's already starting to like do that thing where you're like going insane a little bit, because all you can do is like anticipate every next hiccup, and that's like every 10 seconds, so nothing else really matters except for the next hiccup. And it's like already starting to be like, I'm getting like heartburn from it, and like, just frustrated and like everybody's giving me like their home remedies and stuff and none of it's did you try drinking a glass of water while you were scared (laughs) so then we're staying at my buddy's apartment (laughs) and we have like a couch and some like you know air mattresses well matt (laughs) matt can take it over from here because matt had to experience it 
Yeah, so Mike slept on the couch, and I was on the air mattress in the middle of the floor. And first of all, like, above the air mattress was, like, a, a like, 75% loose uh, ceiling <laughs> fan. Like, it would spin, <laughs> the blades would spin, but also the whole, like, electronic unit would spin around loosely. And, like, I feel like dust was, co- like, I was like, this thing's going to fall on my face the whole night. And then paired with Mike's hiccup, like, as he slept, he had a hiccup every, like, half a minute. And he'd go, and after every hiccup, he'd go, oh, like that. Like, like even he was disappointed in his dreams that they still were around. Oh. I just remember the next one. Another one. Just the whole night. And then the ceiling fan was, like, like drywall dust was coming down. Uh, I didn't sleep at all. Like I, there's so many tour stories where everybody else slept, and yeah. I like, and morning comes, and I like. <laughs> Matt's been laying awake. All you were night just so. I never slept. So crabby the next morning because you're like, you just hiccuped nonstop in that ceiling fan. Oh, and, oh man. And then we went out. We went out with my college buddies who were living in Chicago that night, and I still had the hiccups. And I remember we went to like that arcade bar. Oh, that place was cool. And we we had you guys like talked to a random girl at the bar and convinced her to try to scare me. <laughs> oh, that was my idea. I had a lot to drink that night. <laughs> and I was like, this is going to scare him like no other. And I was like chatting it up with this stranger. <laughs> and I was like, um, hey, yeah, <laughs> I need to ask you. It was probably came out like this. I need to ask you a favor. A <laughs> friend has hiccups for days. <laughs> Can you please go inside and scare him? And it didn't work. Well, and I, how, she took it too far. Mike actually got stabbed. That <laughs> really, really trying to scare Mike, but I still hiccuped. So then we get like back to Minnesota, and I had to start work again. I'm a teacher, or at the time I was a teacher, whatever. And we had, like, workshop week where all the teachers come back after the summer. And I was on day five, five consecutive days of hiccups. And these were the same hiccups that were, like, ten seconds apart and violent. I was having, like, chest pains, neck soreness. I wasn't sleeping well. I had, like, a nonstop headache and heartburn. <laughs> I was, like, I haven't... I know that we're joking about this, but, like, that's pretty brutal. Oh, it was like, bad. That sounds maddening. It was mad. It was crazy. And people were, like, sending me articles, like local man hasn't stopped hiccuping for 47 years and wants to kill himself. <laughs> you know, it's like, thanks for yeah, your support in this You probably time. would want to, man. Like, ima- imagine imagine rem- just in the background all the time. Yeah, and I remember, like, a colleague came up to me and was like, hey, like, this other teacher is, like, she commented on how your, like, body language and just, like, you're, like, you look rough. She's, like, she's worried about you. She doesn't know what's going on. Like, she said, you just look like you've had, like, a tough summer. I was like, I just can't stop hiccuping. It's just, I have had the hiccups for five days. I remember going to my school nurse, and she was like, you have to, like, stand on your head, or you have to, like, drink water upside down, or people would be like, you have to put a butter knife in a glass and have the butter knife rest against your nose while you drink out of one side of your mouth. It was, like, crazy the amount of home remedies. None of them worked. And I had not been to a doctor for any reason in, like, a decade at this point. And I finally was like, screw it. I am making a doctor's appointment to address my hiccups, which sounds insane. And then I, like, scheduled that, went to sleep that night, woke up, 
and didn't have the hiccups anymore. And I canceled the appointment. And That's amazing. Yeah. You scared so them you, off with the doctor. Yeah, I guess so. Do you like... Wow. Do, so you remember going to bed with the hiccups and then you do you remember waking up in the morning and like the first thing you thought about was like, when am I going to hiccup? And you noticed they were gone or, did, or were you kind of I like... I think it was like, oh, I've got to get... sneak up on you? I think you. it was like, oh, I've got to get ready for my doctor's appointment about these hiccups. And it was like, wait a minute, I'm not hiccuping. That's wild. And then the rest is history. And you, you've never had the hiccups for a super long time other than that one time, right? No, but every time I hiccup even once ever since that, which was like five years ago, I'm like, oh shit. It haunts him Hold to on this a sec. Day. We gotta, let's, what's happening? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Psychological torture. Well, I think we could wrap up story time. We got a bit long on the earlier segments. <laughs> Is there anything else to add uh, regarding Do you guys want another story? 15 or 20 minutes about hiccups? Or is that another local commercial that he's got a conspiracy theory about? <clears throat> all right, all right. <laughs> that means it's time for. Deep Dive. Today we'll be doing a deep dive into William. William is on our 2019 Goodnight Paradise record. It is one of the singles, and I think one of the songs that has probably been most asked about when we've reached out to fans for questions for this uh, podcast as well. Um, What fans ask about a lot is, even outside of just this song, is the meaning, Matt, of your lyrics. And I think this song especially gets asked about in regards to, like, who is William or what is that about? So I know, Matt, a pretty typical response from you and kind of a cliche from a lot of songwriters, I think, for good reason, is, like, the lyrics are open to interpretation. They're not meant to be about any one specific autobiographical thing necessarily. Um, And you, you like allowing fans to, like, interpret it how they like to interpret it. So my question then, I guess, is if the songs aren't about anything or maybe on the flip side are about everything, potentially, (laughs) how do you know where to begin when you're writing? Like, is it stream of consciousness? Is there like a central theme that you're trying to speak to at least? Or what did that look like for like William or songs like that where it might be a mix of autobiographical but also kind of not at all? All right, Matt, simple question. That's a good question. Let me just put on my glasses to answer this real quick. (laughs) I forget about those glasses. Um, They're nice. I think maybe the best way to explain it or the the most succinct way to explain it is, like, if you thinking of it in, like, an art-making sense, like painting, sculpture, or, like, whatever, I think of it a lot of times like collage, like where... Like, William's a real person. William's the name of my, my grandfather who passed away. So it's like there are pieces of that collage that are, like, about about him and, like, what I knew about him. Uh, at the time of a lot of Goodnight Paradise, I had, like, I was going through the end of a, a fairly long-term relationship. So it's like there's a lot of, like, pieces of the collage that are about that, that breakup and that ending. And then just kind of, like, general you know, general day-to-day, like, sadness or questioning. Um, Just kind of, of, like, I went through a period of, like, analyzing a lot about my life. Like, probably everyone does when they go through a breakup and they, like, kind of start over with a lot of stuff. Um, So I guess that's how I'd explain it. Like, it's not, I didn't mean it to be linear. Right. I think I just, like, have all these pieces of things that I want to say. 
and like even sometimes it'll start with with like I, I'm sure the three of you have heard like demo ideas where I'm I'm almost like singing gibberish where you're like those like words don't even make sense and like sometimes I'll start with that just for the purpose of a melody where I'm like oh that's where I want it to go and I'll like then fit in some of those collage pieces where I'm like well I have a couple lines about William I have a couple lines about you know this breakup or like this like I'll have one verse just in my head and instead of keeping it linear and thinking like oh I have to make everything connected I'll just like it'll be like patchwork quilting and I'll just like I just have to like like the words it doesn't necessarily have to be an overarching message but I do think some of our songs do have from start to finish it is like one complete message and it's from one vantage point and one perspective but William is not really one of those it's more of uh, more of just fragmented pieces. Perfect. Nice. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting question to come up because I think fans like naturally or people naturally want to like I want the concrete answer. Like, what's the the real thing that the mystery that I haven't quite cracked when I try to listen and analyze? And it's like maybe frustrating that you don't have a answer that's more Tidy. concrete. But right, that's the. But thing. if it was more but concrete, I think, it, I think it takes away the fun of it. You like you don't actually want. Yeah, that. that's how I feel. And I think listeners, there's listeners that are like, they like that they can, like we've gotten messages about William where they're like, hey, I like went through a breakup or something and this song really helped me a lot. And it's so cool to hear that. And other people are just like, I need to know like, who is William? What is this about? Which I totally respect because I've done that with songs I love too. But like, I yeah, I feel like it can fit, it, it can work in so many different ways that I like when it's like multiple situations, people have found a meaning that like made sense to them. I think that. That's what I was. That's kind of what I was going to say, Matt. Is like I feel like a lot of music is like, or a lot of art, just in general, is you interpret it to fit it into like your consciousness, like your psyche, like what you have going on. Like you can listen to something or look at something and be like, that totally fits in to what I'm feeling or thinking right now. And somebody who's in like a kind of like a different situation could probably think the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's, I think that's like what, like good, you know, good, I don't know, not trying to be like toot, tooting our own horn or something, but like just any sort of like good music is like a thing that you can sort of like, can make you feel a certain way, like yeah. regardless of like your background, right. you know, like you're listening to it and you're feeling a certain way about it. And like you can like fit it into the context of your life in like one way or another. You project your own story onto it. Right. So yeah. Like if you've ever read any of our bios like online Ray Bradbury gets cited a lot who's a old school sci-fi author from like the I don't know 50s 60s he wrote a lot of things and Matt and I bonded over a shared appreciation of his work and I think like his is so much about the poetry of his language it's not literally poetry but like he writes fiction in this way that's like man you really have a certain style in this way of words and this nostalgic kind of vibe to the way you write that is like the plot has so little to do with why i'm reading this you know what i mean it's like the style it's like, yeah, of the plot's storytelling <clears throat> right yeah it evokes something very specific and cool so anyway moving away from lyrics um i just wanted to break down some of the foundation of the song and like some of the pieces because this song is one that has a lot of electronic elements and lots and lots of layers um, the foundation of the song is really starts with the synth bass and real bass combined to make like the one kind of pulsing backbone of the song. 
and electronic drum loop. And then the lyrics are kind of this haunting um, layering of Matt and Amanda's vocals. I see it crawling up the walls towards the ceiling. The first thing that I think that's interesting is like throughout this song, you guys have moments where you're actually singing like a flip-flopped register of what you'd expect. Yeah, it's really like a timbre kind of a question or like a thing we're getting at because technically it's the same thing if Matt's singing high E and I'm singing low E or Matt's singing low E, I'm singing high E. But it sounds very different, of course, because, you know, man's falsetto is different than my head voice and vice versa. I found it kind of hard to sing the low part, the choruses live because it's so quiet. <laughs> like, I can't hear it as easily in the monitor but it's really fun yeah that's a hard one to play live sometimes that really low bass synth too doesn't come through the monitor like sometimes yeah i doubt what key we're in do you ever have that with william yes i'm like i don't even know what the right note is right now and yeah it's kind of a relief tests. when my synth part comes in because that provides like some context like the bass doesn't really provide like melodic context because it's so low. It kind of sounds like it could be any of these three notes in this little range or whatever. I was going to say that that part we used also in Diamond City. It's like a certain synth arpeggiator. It's um, hollow bass. Yeah. And it, it like got to the point where our like producer engineer guy, Andy Thompson, who's great, was like, hey, Matt, like you got to we can't use this anymore. He's like, we got to get some new patches on this new record. Cause I was like, what if we use the massive saws again? <laughs> oh, massive and saws were everywhere for a like time. There, yeah. There's like five synth settings. Well, not, I mean at this point, no, cause I'm using a lot of like hardware synth too, but yeah, there, I was using some too much. And Andy, we had an intervention with the, with a couple of the patches yeah. overused or something. So yeah, that bass synth and that drum loop that set the kind of, foundation of the song and then the vocals then the next instrument layer that comes in is there's a square bells synth yeah that's what i play live it's because some of this stuff is in the backing track for our listeners that don't know we we try to put like the least complicated least interesting parts that are more like textural in the backing track so like for this song william for example the bass part was just really repetitive root notes and really rhythmic, which is kind of nice to get those like extremely exactly quantized. And then the more melodic part was more sort of interesting to play and execute live. So I play the melodic part and then the bass is in the backing track. So we usually try to kind of make decisions like that for our, our live stuff. And I think this, if I remember right, was kind of like, maybe that was a hard part for Matt to try to play where Matt normally would play synths while singing. I think that part maybe was a little tricky to play. And yeah. Amanda, who's like been playing piano for a billion years did it a little more easily and i was gonna say it's was this not like kind of a catalyst for you to like say hey maybe i should not just only think about playing bass but like maybe i could play more synth live and or on record in the future or even like bass but like synth bass yeah i think around this time i already had the mini log for sure so i was probably already playing synth bass on like a a tune or two but yeah, this was definitely okay. one of the 
the more fun ones to play because it's just so has a lot of movement in it it's a good challenge like I, I wouldn't say that like Matt was totally stumped by playing and singing this part and then I just whipped it out on the first try but you know that was that's completely true <laughs> I feel no. like like it's working on demo nice. ideas I it's like you just have such an open canvas to be like mm-hmm. oh I like this part and you can like you're not singing at the same time so you can figure it out mm-hmm. and then there's so many times where yeah we get to the live stage and I'm like there's I can't do it I can't do this and sing and then Amanda will be like oh I got it and like and then like the other three members of the band will be like Matt are you playing anything during this song and I'm just my hand I'm doing jazz hands and <laughs> just not even holding the mic like <laughs> um but, but yeah, there are that... at least a few songs where you don't play, at least for like some sections of the song, you don't play, you only sing. And I feel like you utilize that really well. Like Ouija, there's big chunks where you're not playing and you usually like take the mic and travel around a little bit, which I think is really like engaging and nice, like lead, lead singer times. I like that. Yeah. Speaking of all these live stuff, it is a harder one live, I think, to hit because there's so many different things. Like I feel like every tool in our toolkit is being utilized in some way and so Mm -hmm. there's just like a million like moving parts so that kind of leads us into the next part of the song so like midway through the song there's a there's a chorus and there's also a cool little thing where andy starts to andy's our producer we've talked about other podcasts he really put his fingerprints all over this one too with lots of cool production stuff one of which is matt does a little falsetto ooh that he then loops after that chorus there's like a little pause and a break and then everything gets huge so the second half of the song is like crazy amounts of layers so um that's one where like i have a tiny guitar part in the first part of the song that's just super wimpy and like panned hard to one side that now in the second half of the song turns into like a big distorted in your face kind of guitar That was fun in the studio too because I don't remember if it was me like messing with my foot or if it was Andy twisting the knobs, but I just we just had a delay pedal. And on a delay pedal, if you crank the feedback knob or you crank the time of the repeats, you'll get like a feedback oscillation thing that does all kinds of weird outer space kinds of sounds. just like Andy kneeling at my pedal board and cranking knobs around while I'm playing. I think we have an Instagram post from like very early on working on Goodnight Paradise and it's like you in Andy's basement and he's playing around with the knobs and like, do you remember that post? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we got some cool, the guitar tones are so cool with Mm -hmm. some of that stuff. Totally. So that's like one of the layers where it's almost like just that instrumental break. Then there's a distorted kind of synth arp, an analog synth arp. That's another top three, like Matt uses too much part from um, <laughs> from Andy. Meanwhile, the, the same bass arp is going, the same... Um, drum loop is going from the electronic kit 
but also Corey starts actually doing some acoustic kit stuff too. like a heavy SPDSX like Roland pad song. It's like the first like whole like ha- half of the song is played with like samples on the pad plus a backing track. And then halfway through like when we hit that last part, the part that you're talking about right now um, goes to kind of like live acoustic drums and then the like the backing track sort of like picks up what I was playing on the pad itself. Mm-hmm. If that kind of makes sense, yeah. So, tell us, Corey. Like when you play that live, like if you really were to break it down, you'd need two drummers almost to do what's really happening in the song. So, how does that happen on stage? I don't know if you remember. Um, I don't remember what the character is in Mortal Kombat. The guy that's got four arms, Goro. What? It's Goro. Goro? It's amazing that you it's remember that. It's the exact same thing. There we go. I have a Gora poster in our bedroom. <laughs> Just kidding. On the ceiling. Lauren's like, when are you, you going to take down that Mortal Kombat poster? Uh, Finish him. <laughs> so all those layers in reality are combined the entire time to make that giant wall of sound. all those layers of synths and guitars and like the drums and then it really comes into a new part of the song that if i remember right i feel like the amanda vocal is like a little piece that helped crack the code on like what else does this song need my heart my heart stopped beating my lungs my lungs stopped breathing my head that's another one i kind of forgot that it's doubled on a lower octave only the higher octave is sung live because i had to pick one yeah so the end is just it's the regular chorus part but we switched it up to help help it fit with the new kind of like bridge part my heart stopped beating my lungs stopped breathing and as simple as that so nothing more to say it's absolute slam dunk mess it up by saying my heart stopped breathing. I do that all the time. Which is pretty shocking. You'd think we would understand which organ does what. Yeah. I don't think you think about... like You don't have enough time for it to go into your head and to be like, does this make sense? It's like um, like muscle memory. Like, What yeah. is the sound that it's it just consonants. Yeah. <laughs> my cat is on my desk right now and she just showed an absolute back end to the rest of the gang. <laughs> this concludes Deep Dive. Let's now move on to questions. Uh, first off, sorry if I miss your question. I realize that there's a ton in different corners of the internet that I'm like not noticing until too late. 
because I quit social media and I'm not checking it very often anymore. I still Mike was kind of a natural choice for the the question (laughs) wrangler. I still have an account. I have like a fake account so that I can do not Mike and so I can not. (laughs) Yeah. It's so I can keep up with the band still and keep up with my nephews, but otherwise I'm not really on. Hmm. They're really cute. I meant to ask this one last time and just remembered it now. So an old friend of ours asked um, what each of our favorite meals on tour have been. Mm. And I actually thought about Iceland because there's some good answers for Iceland. Iceland had a lot of good food. But the thing that that comes to my mind before Iceland is, uh, remember when we ate at that place called Pak Pak in Portland? It's closed permanently now. Is it really? Yeah, I saw that. That's it had these tragedy. wings. It was like fish sauce wings, and it was incredible. So good. It was, and really even good. their water was like rice water or something. It was just yeah, like a little something special. We ate there both times, but like the last two times we were in Portland, I think we did. We go both times. Yeah, we we went the first time when just the four of us went, or maybe like Bethany and or Lauren came. Because somebody had like heard about this great restaurant in Portland they want to try. And then the next year, Bobby came with us, our manager, and he was like, there's one restaurant I really want to try. And it was also Pock Pock. And we were like, yes, please, let's go again. Yeah, that was great. And then I think that might be my number one. I feel like we eat, overall, we don't eat well on tour. No, Like it's not like we're hitting a bunch of like the best restaurants. I feel like, like a lot of it is... McDonald's, Panda Express, Sabaro. One. A lot time. of times you get fed yeah. where you play too, so That's you like true. end up just eating it's a really free nice. meal at like whatever club you're at. And it's usually like greasy yeah. bar food, which is like we usually don't complain at the time. But yeah, I'm sure the whole just... couple of weeks of that is kind of not easy yeah. on the body. Some of that, like in Philly, that Jimmy Z's place, it's like a cheesesteak cheesesteak, and it's like yeah. it's oh, probably yeah. like fast food, I guess, but that's amazing. I love that. Yum. We uh, in Iceland, it was all about the cheap hot dogs and then the ramen. Yeah. Noodle stop. Noodle station. Noodle station, I think. Which isn't actually ramen, but it's yum yum soup with noodles. I love it so much. And Very there's like good. a tiny little hut in the middle of Reykjavik that's just hot dogs that I think is like the most. Oh yeah, I kind of want to look this up. Business per capita. It's like a, it's literally the size of like a closet. It's just like a little stand, and they just have Icelandic hot dogs, and we get those like twice a day in Iceland for super cheap. Those are which great. Which is not normally the case in Iceland. I'm not really a sauce guy. Like, there's a lot of weird condiments I don't like. And I remember I like asked for a hot dog without like the weird yellow. Well, it's probably it's not weird. Mustard. It's oh, mustard. it was that, and there's like a gravy on it. And the the woman behind the counter was like, "I've never, I've been here for like seven years, and I've never had anyone ask for." for a hot dog without the sauce on it. Aww. So did you cave and try it? I heart. didn't. I Well, I did try it. I tried. Lauren got it with all this stuff and I tried it. But I like, I don't mind things plain. Love it. Yeah. They also have like crispy onions and fresh onions. Oh, I got both of those. I just didn't get the sauce. Yeah. I also thought about that supper club in New York that like. Oh, that was one of the fanciest there. times in my life. Thank you, Bethany, like for knowing friend. really cool oh, people. Turks yeah, in. Turks in. <sighs> that was very That's special. Cool. What were those? H- horchata? It, it rhymed. Was like, it was rum horchata. 
It was like a, a milkshake that had rum. Yeah, it was like, yeah, we were there in the summer, and it was like an ice cream drink or something that we had up there. It was quite tasty. Yeah. Okay, next question was, <laughs> what were each of your best jobs and worst jobs? I'll go last. Best jobs? Um, I don't know. I've had some fun. Well, I worked at a summer camp at one point. We just did like a bunch of fun field trips. And my worst job? I don't... I, don't, I hope no one comes back from the Hennepin County Library and gets at me for this but that might be my worst job and everyone was nice it was just like I couldn't I don't have the right brain to work at the library I I'm not disciplined enough I'd like find a book or a magazine I like and like just want to look at it (laughs) instead of shelving books I don't it's you know you look at like the Dewey Decimal System for eight hours and you're like oh that's like point oh nine one instead of point nine one and you're it's like it's hell on earth and it it's the worst for me. I we've talked about this. I've also my first ever job was at a library and I wasn't very productive probably. My it was fine though. It was not my best or worst job. My worst job was definitely it was when I was substitute teaching like right out of college and I was just getting a little burnt out on substitute teaching and not finding a job and I was um I ended up like helping out at my girlfriend's dad's like warehouse he like yeah you were a forklift boy right yeah i like it was like for a hardware store in like rural area and it was like fargo moorhead area which is close to canada essentially if you don't know this area very cold and i was just driving a forklift and working with a bunch of people that i mean they were different walk of life to put it a nice way than i was like we were not gonna be buddies they didn't like cool indie music no, they liked. Never mind. Um, the, I like. It was so cold. You were like out in the middle of the country, and you were in this warehouse that was just like not insulated at all. So if it was like negative twenty out, you'd be like working all day in negative twenty degree temperatures. And they had me doing the dumbest stuff. Like this place would have like surplus things brought in from like sport outdoor like stores. So like you get like a crate full of old tents. And they're like, we're going to sell this in our bargain barn. But first we have to like inventory all these old tents and see like what pieces are missing. So it would be my job to like go through every single tent and like check to see if they had the right number of poles. Oh my gosh. Or like go through like, like ski boots and see if like we had the right number of matching sizes to put in their surplus bins at the hardware store. And so I would be so bored and so cold and I listened to my headphones every single day and I listened to my, I remember making a project for myself to listen to every single song on my iPod back then was just iPods starting in alphabetical order. So like, it was like today's Monday, I'm starting on A's and I'm listening in order through my, (laughs) through my catalog. And I did it in like no time at all because it's just endless hours of boring work. Wow. That was awful. That your story reminds me of the best part of the library, which was like the book return there was a conveyor belt where people could put books in like any hour of the day when they had a a book that had to go back and people would put wild stuff like i remember the first day i worked there a tree branch came in what yeah like someone just put it like people would like teenagers would be like let's put this in the book return and it would come down a conveyor belt and i was like what (laughs) 
older woman that worked there, I was like, what's the weirdest thing that came down this book bin? She's like, one time someone put a snake in it. The snake came into the like book bin, and then it had babies in the book bin. Oh, my what? God. Terrifying. Like a big scary one or like a little garter snake I mean, it must have been a garter snake. Was it? Were they all they okay? Snake. The people and know, the I snakes? I don't know. They're in a book right now. If you check uh, out the book, uh, I'm just going to reference Tuesdays with Maury again. If you open it <laughs> on page 79, there's a baby snake waiting for you. Wow. How about you, Corey? Jobs? Um, I don't know. I, I like, washed dishes at a supper club when I was growing up. And it kind of sucked. Like, the job itself kind of sucked, but... It wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't, like, the worst thing ever. I don't know. I, I feel like I don't have, like, any notably, like, horrible, horrible, horrible jobs. How about your best job? <laughs> I don't have any notably, like, best jobs either, I guess. Like, I'm just right in the middle. What's your most medium job? All my jobs are right down the center. Don't love them, don't hate them. I think my favorite job is probably teaching piano lessons, which I still do very satisfying and I have a lot of control over what that looks like um on that note we just had our piano contest which was virtual this year and got results back and I'm just so proud of all my students there were some that like moved on to the next round which is really exciting and even those that didn't it's just so satisfying to see the judges feedback saying like you did a great job with dynamics it's like yes that's what we worked on so nice. that well done. for best for worst probably it's got to be balloon animals right oh my god you got to tell that story <laughs> so i will try to keep this short when i was like 21 or something i saw i must have just been looking for the weirdest jobs possible and i saw something on craigslist and it's like make balloon animals for your job and i was like this is insane i'm doing it um the interview was at a subway and I came wearing, like, nice clothes because I wanted to get a job. And I sat down with who I thought was maybe the person giving the interview. And it turns out it was another interviewee. And they thought I was the person giving the interview because I dressed nice. So that was a little confusing. <laughs> then the person that was actually giving the interview came in. And I quickly discovered that it was a very strange setup. Um, you might think of words might come to your mind, like, illegal or... <laughs> um, Pyramid scheme. Yeah. It's, it was a little, it was, I guess, a pyramid scheme. So they didn't pay us at all. The scheme was that we would go to mostly restaurants like Perkins's and basically entertain the children that were waiting for their pancakes, um, usually like on the mornings when the kids were there and stuff, and like walk around from table to table and try to convince people that they needed a balloon animal right now while they were waiting for their um food to come which is really nuts and perkins would pay like the company or whatever balloon distractions oh i'll say it balloon distractions they suck um they would pay, perkins would pay them balloon distractions that's a terrible name yeah because that was literally the concept yeah so perkins would pay them like oh. some small amount like 50 bucks or something and all none of that went to me instead they forced us to wear these buttons that say we twist for tips 
which yes, did lead to weird mm. comments from men because we sometimes did this at bars also, which is another weird demographic oh, that I guess needs. There's also a really strong emphasis on not making anything inappropriate out of balloons, which you might be able to imagine like some of those things. Even if, for example, a bachelorette party asks you to, you mustn't ever do it because what if they leave it there I mean, on the table and then sully the good name of this company, yeah, Balloon like Distractions. A balloon penis oh is like God. the second easiest thing next to like a balloon snake, I would imagine, yeah, right? The concept is very simple. Well, the thing yeah. about yeah, making these is like once you can make one thing, you can make almost anything. It just takes a little bit more time. <sighs> Um, so really long story short, I discovered that it was a weird scam and I didn't like their, how that all worked because the money was actually good because I got a lot of tips, you know, but like it was very shady that they weren't actually paying us. So, um, the way that I quit was by not showing up for my very important shift at a Perkins making balloon animals for a kid that didn't know I was going to be there. Um, and I got like several calls from my quote unquote boss, the lady that, you know, taught me how to make oh, that's the other thing. They she taught me how to make like two things, like a dog and a giraffe. And the lesson there was like, see, a giraffe is just a dog with a longer neck. Now you can make anything. So she taught me how to make one thing and then said the rest are on YouTube. See you later. I'll be getting all the money. Oh my God. Um, so when I didn't show up for Perkins, that lady called me and like I hadn't seen her in months because that's how this thing worked. And she called me a lot of times and I never answered because I was young and also I had no respect for this job. And I never answered, never mm, answered. Rightly so. And then one day, like six months later, I got a call from a strange number. And it was her calling from a different number. And I answered and she was like, it's Michelle or whatever her name Your was. Your twister sister, Michelle. <laughs> Is this Amanda? And I was like, uh. And then she was like, I was worried oh, about God. you. And then I felt so bad because she was worried about me wait how long was that conversation i probably hung up on her out of sheer terror i don't know i was really young i just ghosted her i know that that was rude of me but i once again want to distract wanted want to stress that we were not paid and this was a big mess and i got an email i got an email a few years later from a fellow twister that said like subject line class action lawsuit who wants Mm -hmm. in and I just hate that I was, like, young and didn't have my act together because I didn't get in on it. And I really, really wish that I would have because there was obviously a case there. So that was the wildest job I've had. That, just so many cringes. I just picture someone, like, un, untwisting a balloon rose with, like, the subpoena in, <laughs> inside of it for, like, whoever that had to go to court. <laughs> so, you got, so they serve you? <laughs> yeah. Uh. Oh, man. Are you drinking, Matt? It looks like strawberry milk. Yeah. Oh, she made me a shake. It's just really strawberry. Matt's allergic to strawberries, if anybody... Yeah. If y'all don't know that already. You'll, you should have known, everybody. There was a time, though, Amanda was like, hey, like, what? what's this oh, drink? Take a sip. It it's not a big deal. I just get a rash. I get, like, hives from strawberry. Which would be and it was so like nice right before, before we went on stage, stage, she was like, this is like kind of a wild drink. You want to take a sip? I was like, sure. And then she was like, what do you think it is? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> She's like, guess what? It's strawberry. And I was like, ha, no! ha, ha, ha. Like you're, you're that has to be a like joke. I did it on purpose. No, I know you didn't do it on purpose, but it was like, I thought you were joking because it's like, you know that I'm allergic to strawberry. And you're like, and then your eyes got like the size of coffee can lids. And I was like, oh, <laughs> she, but I, it was fine. I didn't get, it was like such a little amount. I hope it was fake. Just some syrupy crap. It was actually a really good drink, though, so it was probably real. 
I think we've talked it out today, guys. Yeah, we're like I think it's time. Hour and a half here. Hopefully, we trim this thing down. <laughs> it's been really, really nice. Thank you for listening, everybody. Don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We will read it out loud next week. We need something to read on Corey's Corner. Um, it also helps if you subscribe. You can see the episode earlier then. And why don't you just head on over to graybeardclub.bandcamp.com and check out our merch. Maybe there's something there you like. Valentine's Day is coming up. <laughs> Valentine's Day is a great time to buy a gift for someone <laughs> Every you time. You even say it like when it's like a week after Valentine's Day. Do you guys remember Valentine's Day? It's always a good time to buy some music gear, uh, merch for someone you love. You know what else is coming up? My dad's birthday. It's today. Happy birthday, Dad. Aww, That's coming happy up. Happy birthday, Pete. Happy birthday, Pete. It's coming to an hey, end, actually, wait, pretty my, soon. My, uh, never mind. I was going to say my mom's birthday is coming up, but it's not that soon. So, Nice try, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> She's always trying to trick you into believing it's her birthday, right? It's not. <laughs> I'm not shouting you out. <laughs> All right, buddies. This has been Welcome to the Club. I gotta, I'm going to get a beer. I'll be right back. Well, I'm going to get a beer now, too, then. <laughs> Do you, Amanda, do you see that uh, that like shoe hanger thing in Matt's oh, yeah. picture on their mm-hmm. door? I was imagining it would be like a hilarious April Fool's Day prank if we like went in there and replaced it all with submarine sandwiches. Oh my god! <laughs> or like loaves of bread. Okay, don't tell him. So. Hmm? Nothing. Yeah, so I'm gonna. Pl- I got a sick prank. I'm gonna play on you, Matt. <laughs> I don't want to totally spoil it, but it involves replacing all of the shoes and that door hanger behind you with sand- submarine sandwiches. So if you can guess, what's that smell? What the total prank is gonna be based on that limited amount of information. Is that a shoe hanger behind you? Is that what I'm looking at? Yeah. Well, it's a hero hanger now. Oh, and hero subs.